Welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. How you doing, everybody? You doing good? Danny wanted to give a round of applause, and I think we should for Jesus. Should we just put our hands together and give Him some praise? Let's, let's pray. Father, thank You for this time together. Thank You for Your presence. There's nothing like Your presence. It anchors us, and it, and it, and it settles us, and yet at the same time, Lord, stirs us to more. And I just feel, Lord, like speaking the more of You over Your people today. Such a great people. I pray, Lord, that you give each one wisdom and revelation to know how to live and what they need to do and revelation to know who you are, to know you better. Bless, Lord God, each heart to hear, every ear to be open. And Lord, I just pray that your word would be spoken with your anointing today in Jesus' name. Amen. I just ask if you can to thank our worship team and our production team and our kids teams and our hosting teams and the barbecue team. Unbelievable. It's really warm in here, by the way, too. Anyone noticed? We've just turned the aircon down. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, it's good to be with you. If we haven't met before, my name's Graham. Rebecca and I, my wife, uh, we're the lead pastors. We oversee all the locations really to support and and to encourage um, each pastor and uh, each congregation, and it's great to be with you. A few new faces. Obviously, God has added some good-looking people to the flock. Fantastic. It's great. You're happy with who you're sitting next to. You chose well. Be awkward if you, you didn't. You're like, I need to move now. It's too late. It really is just too late. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We've been in a series called Discipleship Defined. Did you know that Jesus... He said, go into all the world and make disciples. And uh, I think that Jesus really meant it. And, you know, often the church does church, but we don't do discipleship that way. And so we've been on a series called Discipleship Defined. What is it? And I, I just want to bring a challenge. And I do want to give a little disclaimer that there might be some people here today. And this is what I'm about to share. We're kind of jumping in the deep end of the pool. You feel as though, man, I am not there. I'm not my headspace. I'm not in that headspace. But I still need to share it with you. So my hope would be that somehow it would just be like a seed that gets planted and that the Lord might do something with that in time. So Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus. He said, be completely humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, that's one body of Christ, and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord... Jesus Christ, one faith. It's real simple. This, this whole thing is just putting our faith and our trust in Him. One baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all through all. But to each one of us, grace has been given. Not going to be given. It's been given. You have received, if you've received Christ today, you've received a grace. Okay. 
by, uh, has been given as a Christ apportioned it. This is why it said that when Jesus ascended on high, he led captives in his train and he gave gifts to man. And that's actually woman as well. That's mankind. What does he ascended mean except he descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. As I read those, you may not know what those things are, but they are things, believe it or not. And they're really awesome, important things. But they were actually given to equip God's people, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Okay. In order that we are united, we're in unity, in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And that we could become mature, attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. So in other words, we're on this pathway to actually growing in our faith and growing in our character. In verse 16, it says, the point of this is to be joined in him, the whole body, held together by every supporting ligament. As it grows, it builds itself up. We're meant to be actually building each other up through this bond of love, through this work of Christ, through these gifts, as we actually reach maturity in love and it as each part does its part, as each part of the body. So, so, look, I want to talk about doing what Jesus did because discipleship, when I grew up, I thought it was a new Christian's course you did when you first came to faith. And it's not. Discipleship is actually the term, was actually penned by a guy called Warren Worsby as being an apprentice, an apprentice. It's actually a student, but not like a classroom student. I don't know how you felt about school. Some of you will feel disappointed that I said that it's not that, and others of you like me will feel relieved, greatly relieved. Like so greatly relieved it's not funny. Uh, No? Okay, that's great. My first day of intermediate, Broad Green, uh, my mum got a phone call, first day of starting intermediate, from the principal saying that the teacher had ducked out in the first, it was the first hour of the first day of intermediate, ducked out, gone, gone to do a job, and she walked back and I was standing on top of her desk, <laughs> saying to the class, I am the teacher now, you need to listen to me. And then mum got a phone call by lunchtime. Fantastic. That kind of sums up my whole high school experience actually as well. I've got um, three brothers. I'm one of four boys. My poor dear mum. We used to play cricket in the lounge. Gen- genuinely, with tennis ball, but um, man, it was fun. It was great times. My um, youngest, I'm the oldest, so the next brother down, his name's Phil. He's two years and two days younger than me. We grew up very, very close, really close, still to this day, very close. And Phil, even when he was young, you know, you see the differences of the gifts and the abilities that people have, and you just, it's mind-blowing. You know, he would, we would have our grandparents round the corner and none of, it's weird, my dad's parents and my mum's parents would never call them grandpa or granddad. My grandparents of my dad's side, they were Bob and Beth. Never granddad and grandma, don't know why. And then on my mum's side, they were Doffer and Popper. And that's what we called them. So anyway, we used to go around to Bob and Beth's house, Phil and I, and we would go around, and my granddad was retired by 53. That's not even morning tea time. Like, he's not even got to lunch. What's the dude up to? But he's downstairs and he used to work for the Ministry of Works and he also used to build boats on his front 
yard as part-time, as a boat builder. So Phil and I would go around and the, the natural gifting, Phil, you could see it from day one. He'd go down to the garage with Bob and they'd build guns and, um, and, and boats and like, not real guns, toy guns, and skateboards. You're like, what the heck is this guy into? And bombs. And anyway, they, and, and, they'd, and he'd just be down there. But I'd, it just wasn't who I was. Like, oh, three minutes, I'd be upstairs with Beth. She'd say, Beth, um, Beth would say, what should we do? And she goes, do you want to come into the sewing room? And I'd be, sure. <laughs> what sort of a child was I? We used to make pin cushions. My brother would be building actual things and I'd make pin cushions. So, yeah. But my brother and I, as I said, he, he actually left school at this end of fifth form and I did as well and started sixth form. And he started a building apprenticeship. Okay, so... Warren Worsby, when he says a disciple is an apprentice, that is the image that Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you my disciples. It's actually an apprentice is that you are joining up with, in this case it was a rabbi, but you're joining up with someone and it is going to be a journey of transformation. But it's not just going to be a journey of transformation. What, what are the three things that we've been defining discipleship as? People, apprentices are people who want to be with Jesus, be like Jesus and do what Jesus did. To be with Jesus as we enjoy his presence. That's why we're here today, probably, um, most likely, or someone dragged us along. Two, we want to be like Jesus. We understand that there needs to be actual change within us. There are things that, that God wants to deal with. And hey, I, I just want to encourage people here today. You're never, ever, ever going to change and be like Jesus if you try to do it from the outside in. The only way the New Testament teaches us is true change comes through the Spirit's work in your heart and it gets worked out inside out. That's why people don't understand what we're doing here because the Spirit has not yet had the opportunity or the doorway to do that. And then lastly, do what Jesus did. So my brother, when he is invited to be an apprentice builder, he those three things happened. He wanted to be with the builder. It was an honour to be invited. My son is just starting a building apprenticeship. And so when he got invited to go do that, it was sort of like the, the master builder or the qualified builder or the person that inclusion means something. You know, my brother felt that way. Second thing was, he went on a journey of change. And it's not just learning how to hit nails in. and what, what it, I don't even know if they use nails anymore. I don't know. Again, I'm a sewer, so uh, but, what do they call it? I'm a seamstress. Anyway, why are you laughing? And, uh, but, you know, but it's also the journey of apprenticeship is learning how to wake up at a certain time, get yourself organised, get yourself sorted. Um, my son's um, rego ran out on his MX-5. And my wife said, Izzy, uh, rego's out. And he turned to me and goes, oh, there's so much admin in life. And I'm like... <laughs> Dude, you're 17. Like, the worst is yet to come. (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, the whole point of the apprenticeship, I I don't, spoiler alert, you actually want to end up doing what the master builder did. In fact, if you didn't end up doing, being able to build a house, being able to build something, something has gone drastically wrong. And now my brother Phil has actually finished, just completed their 470th house. They've built 470 homes as they've um, started to build apartments in different parts of New Zealand. 
I want to propose something's gone wrong with our faith in New Zealand. I want to propose that we're fine with, we want to spend time with Jesus. I think we're half fine with, we need to go on a journey of transformation and challenge the character, the inward stuff. We're half fine with that, as long as it doesn't touch on some of those childhood wounds and those bruises from when we were young, maybe. But I don't know that we're really good at all with the fact that the expectation would be that you would end up doing what Jesus did. I reckon that we're like, no way, not capable, not, not there yet, not qualified, not enough time, don't know enough Bible, whatever the thing would be. Sure, some of those things might be maybe actual reasons. I'm, I'm not so sure. But, but this whole thing, you know, even in the 70s and 80s, there was a guy called John Wimber who was a right, he wrote rock and roll music. It's back when music actually was proper music. You know, unlike music today, uh, the, 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 the music today is, um, it's not good. It's not Little River Band, is it? No? Okay, we're in church. We can't admit anything, all right? It's not Johnny Farnham, Whispering Jack. That was one of the greatest albums of all time. No, still not good, okay? And he, someone shared the gospel with him. And when someone shared the gospel with him, his eyes, spiritual eyes were opened and he, um, yeah, God just did this work in his life. He was not polluted by any sort of historical Christianity to think any other thing than when he read the Bible, he believed what the Bible said. So when Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, when Jesus said, I'm going to give you authority to cast out devils, to heal the sick, to, to mend up the brokenhearted, that God's plan, when he read the book of Acts, he didn't read it as a, it's not a historical document, guys. It's a live document. It actually can be. And so John Wimber, when he wrote that, he was actually, read that, he was writing songs with the Beach Boys. And he realised he had to go a whole nother way. So he went another way and they started with a friend of his, a church called The Vineyard. And when The Vineyard was at its height, they were planting like 2,000 churches a year. In fact, they couldn't even keep count because they had one premise and do you know what the premise was? Everybody on Team Jesus gets to play. Everybody on Team Jesus gets to play. Where we've got to in 2023, I'm just going to give it a synopsis. We're like, yeah, everybody gets to watch the professional play. That's kind of where we've got to. And I'll get to listen to the podcast of the professional who plays. And there's nothing wrong with being taught and being equipped and being established. In fact, in apprenticeship, that we may actually need to be trained and we may actually need to be equipped and we may actually need to um, have some of the mindsets challenged. And uh, even what Dave was talking about, you know, when we get anxious and when we get fearful and when we get, um, you know, we're needing to trust God at a deeper level in our life. Everyone, everyone has to go on that path. But Paul's scripture is so different from the modern mindset. He's saying, listen, I urge you then to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. In other words, it's got to get lived at some point in our life that this makes a tangible difference to us. It can't just be a Sunday thing we hear about. It's got to get into us. It's quite exciting that. There's a great opportunity that, oh, how do I live this out today? I'm not sure, but I'm willing to go there. You know, Paul says that you have been, you and I, it's actually we've been not just called out by Jesus, 
But we were once dead in sin, all of us, all of humanity. But He saw us there, had compassion on us, and He died for us, and He gave us life. So now you're no longer dead in sin. Uh, Galatians says that sin no longer has mastery over you, for you are not under law, but you are under grace. In other words, the sin thing no longer has have to control you. Even if you got that out of today, just one thing, that in my mind, that's been broken through the cross, so I'm not gonna actually be controlled by it. I'm actually gonna be able to be influenced by God. He goes on to say that we've been made sons and daughters. We're united with Christ, so live it. And I'd be pretty happy, wouldn't you, if, if that was it, but it's not it. Paul goes on to say this, and it was God who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Why? To equip the saints, that's you and I, for the work of ministry. It's not only what Jesus has saved you from that counts, it's what Jesus has saved you for that counts. It's both. Yes, you are saved from eternal separation from God, hell. I mean, what is hell? Hell's basically the opposite of God. That's it. And it's where God is not. My, my son was working as a temp for Fulton Hogan for a time in, uh, from, from 7 p.m. till 5 a.m. in Blenheim, drive over every night and day. It was like, that's probably a little bit of hell, isn't it? And then he, he had, the guy who, you know, he's with a crew and the crew got talking to him and said, what do you do? And, and the, I don't know why they asked, but they're like, what do your parents do? And, and he goes, oh, they're pastors. And so he had one that was a, a guy who said, look, I, I've been an atheist all of my life. But just in the last five months, I can't help but think, surely all of this must have origin. If it doesn't have origin, then it doesn't count or matter. And so he said to Israel, if the Christian God is truly God, then why wouldn't my dad, he uses the scenario, this guy's dad, why wouldn't he be able to go to heaven uh, when he dies? And my son, by the way, this is not in my notes, I'm clearly diverting. Could come out very wrong and I apologise. Just email david.king at annisbrook.co. So Israel goes, oh, well, you know, if you, if you just receive Jesus' free gift of forgiveness, then you'll be with him. And, and then the guy was like, yeah, but I don't understand that if he's a good person, he just can't go to heaven when he dies. He has a beer every Saturday night, but just one or so. Surely that's way better than a lot of people. And then out of Israel's mouth came this thought. He says, yeah, but... If he didn't want to know God for all of his life, why would God force him to know him for eternity? Yeah, I thought I'll write that one down. <laughs> and so he goes on to say, well, what I just said, Jesus Christ has not just saved you from hell or separation from God, so you can have a relationship with God here and now. He saved you for something. For, what is that Something. You, I'm going to say something controversial and some people won't like it. And again, David.King at Annisbrook. Everyone who is saved by Jesus, everyone. I couldn't make this more awkward if I tried. <laughs> like if I thought I'd make a real awkward moment, it couldn't be better than this. I'm just so hot. It's like, what is wrong with this room? Oh, thanks, Sophie. Thank you. Here's the controversial thing. Everybody who's received Christ, everybody 
has a ministry. Every single person, if you know Jesus and you know you're saved, you have a ministry. You do, the Bible says it. So that's, what, is, what does ministry mean? Ministry is um, based on a Latin word and then like translated obviously through the languages. The first part, ministry, is this word, you know, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Administration. Thank God it doesn't mean emails and, you know, clear calendarization. Trinity, I know you're very good at that. You're looking at someone who's not so good. I can sew you a pincushion. I could thread a machine, no problem at all. But I can barely, barely answer an email. But administration actually means, the ministry means to administrate or to give out the kingdom of God. You are actually being given through Christ part of your inheritance and salvation and administration of grace. So you've got your main thing, right? Which might be work, studying, parenting, business, retirement, whatever that main thing is, whatever phase you're in. But you've got this other thing out of God's spirit, which is bubbling away under the surface. I'll give you another example. I'm a pastor, right? And I know a lot of people have different views on what the heck the pastors do. And so um, I don't want to get into that because that takes about 10 hours to explain how many coffees we have during the day. But, but that's my main thing, right? But do you know, the other day I was in Auckland and I called an Uber to go out to a church congress, this church leaders congress thing. And I got in an Uber with a guy called Murray. And Murray, I was just sitting there and I felt the Spirit of God in my spirit say, ask him. Oh, gosh, okay. So I'm just thinking the whole drive, I see where we're going, I see how much time we've got. Luckily with Auckland, we're going to be travelling for around eight days. <laughs> so I'm thinking I've got enough time. I thought, how am I going to ask him? How am I going to ask him? So I just uh, said, Murray, I thought in my mind, I thought of four different ways. Have you ever heard the gospel? Do you know Jesus? Have you ever had a faith journey? I thought, okay, I've got three options. So after I asked about his life and he was a retired police officer and he'd done a whole heap of business stuff, he's now in his late 70s, early 80s, I say, Murray, have you ever had a faith? And he answers me, yes, but very on and off. And I thought, here goes. Well, why is it on and off? So, oh, because I've done. Most people, when they answer you, you know, how good a Christian you are, they always focus on themselves. They always focus on what they feel like they haven't done or what they should do better. Very seldomly do you ever sit with someone who talks about their Christianity and do they talk about what Christ did completely for them? We're very, very devoid of the gospel. So I sat there and I told him about what Jesus had done for him, how it was a finished work, how his love is eternal and his grace can handle him even if he's on and off. And I said, look, Murray, in the next phase of your life, because he's flipping 80, he's 80. I, I said, look, in the next phase of your life, this question's gonna matter a lot and you've been able to answer it's gonna matter. So I said, here's the question. Can you be confident that your eternity is actually hanging in the balance of what Jesus has done and not just in what you've done. And then he thanked me very much. We actually said, what's your story? What are you all about? And I didn't tell him I'm as a pastor. That would ruin it. Why? Because pastoring's my main thing. But the thing bubbling away underneath is in a ministry. I'm no different to you. I just have a different vocation maybe. But I've got this administration of God's grace. And it might be sharing with people. It might be praying with people. It might, and, and the more I tell you, you'd be like, oh yeah, makes sense. You're a pastor, so you can do that stuff. Let me tell you about the ministry of some other people that you may not know about. I wanna talk about the ministry of my dad. 
My dad was not a Christian, grew up in a very um, secular family, but he met my mum who was from a Christian family. When my dad met my mum's mum, Doffa, Doffa said, hello, John, how are you? Got to know him and then asked him a very quick question. Have you ever been born again? And my dad said, what? She said, have you ever been born again? No. Oh, John, you've never heard about the gospel then, that Jesus died for you and his blood made a way that you could be not only forgiven, but God would make you on the inside new. Would you like to be born again? And my dad goes, yeah. Because what logical thinking person wouldn't want their sins to be completely forgiven? What logically thinking person would not want a new nature on the inside of them? And so my grandma prayed for him and he received Christ. So I grew up with a very new Christian dad, but I saw him praying and reading the word. But I'd, I'd say I had a terrible time with bad dreams. And so I'd, I'd cry out, dad, mum, mum, dad. And also I was a bedwetter, but that's another story for another day. It's either a bad dream or I needed sheets changed. That's disgusting. I never heard that in church. Let's go back to the old days. We don't talk about these things. That was a food allergy, don't worry. It affects your bladder. Anyway, dad, dad, pray for me. So he'd come in and my dad would go like this. I said, dad, I've had a bad dream. I'd be four, five, six, seven, eight, like for years. And he'd put his hand on my head and he said, Father, I pray for Graham. I pray for your peace to come right now. I pray, Lord, that your peace would saturate his life. What's he doing? His ministry? Is he a pastor? No. He's a son with full rights and full access to the power and the presence of God. Let that peace come, Lord. And I'm telling you, every time he prayed, peace came and settled on me. Why? It's real. You ask anyone who hasn't had peace, when they have peace, it's night and day. He was, a, he was a conduit. Was Jesus there in the flesh? No. But my dad was there being the hands and feet of Jesus. He had an administration of the work of Jesus. Jesus is working through us, speaking through us. Ephesians 1 says that. He's actually, actually affecting society around us. Then I would tell you about the ministry of Margaret Stewart. When I was six years old, I was at a Bethany Park Christian camp. We, our church used to do these family camps. All the adults were worshipping God and like we are right now. And I don't know if you know, but right now we've got a ton of volunteers ministering to children up in the rooms over here. And they're not here with us. And so they're giving out. And Margaret was just like that. Well, Margaret would make sure it was fun and we had comps and we had sword drill and all of that. And then every time though, she would share the gospel. God loved the world so much, even though we're separated by sin. All of us have sinned that he gave his son, he poured out his blood. If anyone asks him to come and make his home in our hearts, he will. And any of you, he, she would say, need to receive Jesus, you ask him now. She'd say, anyone want to do that? And I put up my hand. And she's sacrificing, she's giving. She wasn't a full-time pastor. But the presence, I know I got saved. I know I got saved. And you know what's powerful about that? Was Jesus there in the flesh? No but he was there in spirit working through Margaret Stewart's ministry. Powerful ministry. Now, I don't know how many people I've seen come to Christ through both these mediums and personally, but it's well in its hundreds. Through all the meetings, inviting people to Christ, it could even be beyond hundreds. But that's the power of having a ministry. One six-year-old 
You just never know what's going to happen. You never underestimate it. Then I'd want to tell you about the ministry of Alan Walker. Because as I became a teenager, one of the things you need as a young person is you need connection and you need good friends. Alan Walker was about six years older than me and my mum and dad had been sewing into his life, helping him. He was saved from a non-Christian background. He was a bit of a rebel. Bit of a, he had a long, long mullet. Drove a Valiant, V8 Valiant. He would always, at my house, look me in the eyes and really value me. Then he would say, you want to come out and grab an ice cream? I'm like six years younger. I'm like, yeah. I'm like 12, 13. I just think this is the coolest thing ever. Driving in the Valiant, listening to Petra. Yes. Only Dave and I are old enough or old enough to admit it. DC Talk. I want to be in the light as you are in the light. I want to light the stuff. No, 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 no. Right lyrics, wrong melody. Oh Lord, be my light and be my salvation. All I want is to be in the light. And Alan would just sew in and sew in. And if I saw him at church, Alan would just give me time and value and input. Was Jesus there in the flesh? Was it Jesus doing it? No, Jesus was working through Alan Walker, the ministry of Alan Walker, powerfully. About five Sundays ago, Saturday, excuse me, I got a phone call from an unknown number. I wanna talk now about the ministry of Seller. She lives in the North Island. She rang me and said, Graham is Seller. And I thought, shivers, I recognise this voice. And about five years prior, she'd rung me as well about something. She said, listen, have you got a minute? I was driving with headset, go pick up Saskia from work. She said, I've been praying for you. I thought, flip, it's Saturday. Who prays on a Saturday? You're not meant to do that. Got to wait till tomorrow. Or at least let a pastor pray tomorrow, you know, whatever. So I was praying for you. And the Holy Spirit said this, ring Graham and tell him, you're on the right track. And I'm going to fill you with oil and you're gonna lay hands on people and the oil's gonna fill people. I was driving, sensing the presence of God on a Saturday. Why? Because Seller has a ministry. Was it Jesus saying it to me? Did Jesus say you're doing a good? If Jesus said to me directly, Graham, you're on, on the right track, I bet I'd second guess it. I bet I'd talk myself out of it. I bet I'd think that can't be the Lord. That's, that's the butter chicken from the night before or whatever. But no. This is why we've got a ministry. Because when you operate, that's a prophetic thing. And Paul said, I would have that each of you would hunger, desire for the greater things, especially prophecy. You wouldn't want to go start a website called prophet.com. You know, Sophie, although it could be the case, but you know, Dave, definitely, daveprophet.com. You don't want to do that. That's not how you get your ministry started. You just say, Lord, who do you want to speak to? What do you want to say? And you know, that, that can unlock. And you know, this is how you work out that you've been in a dry time as a Christian believer because you haven't been operating in your gifts very much. Michaela, I just feel this for you. There is a prophetic edge to your life and, you, and, and, and the water that will flow from it is meant to sustain you. Yes, we want to be sustained from Christ alone, but He's wired you in a way that if you do not operate in it, there will be part of you that will be unfulfilled. That's a specific word for you today. So don't wait to feel, oh, I feel so full of God. I feel so full of life. Go back to the gifts, stir them back up and just let it flow. 
then in time you will be sustained by the same river. So that's the ministry of seller, just an ability. And each one of you in this church should have the ability to speak an encouraging word over somebody. Every one of you, because God has a ministry for you. Here's the last ministry. It's the ministry of Asher, Thomas, and Israel. They're three kind of 16, 17, 18-year-old guys. I don't know what's happened. It's really, really amazing. But these young guys are all carrying around their Bibles. They're like Joel. Joel's got the thickest Bible, although it looks like you've traded him for a thin one. What's happened to your faith, Joel? What's happened, mate? You, I used to be impressed. Now it's got flowers. Something's, let's pray for Joel. Something's happened to him. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can teach you how to sew, Joel. Okay. But I'm more than that, Joel. <laughs> so after church, these young guys, and Joshua, you want to jump up? Jump up, um, team, jump up. And um, these young guys have been coming up with their Bibles. And they've been, like Israel, he's, he's my son, at home. I'm pastor full-time, right? That's my job. But then he comes home and it's like after five o'clock. So why are you asking me spiritual questions? Well, I'm, you know, we're trying to enjoy Goon Squad or something on YouTube. And he goes, Dad, you got a minute? And I'm, at the start of it, I thought, this is great. Problem is, it's not ended. He's like, Dad, what does Jesus mean in this? And hey, what's going to happen with the end times? And what's heaven going to be like? I'm like, mate, give me a break. Like, seriously. Asher is just as bad. Thomas is probably the worst. Hey, what is, um, after the service, right? After a meeting like this, he comes up and goes, what does this mean? In the Greek, it says this. Can you just tell me what it means? I'm thinking, go away. Like, like I've done my job. You know, why is this a ministry? Because it is stirring my faith to realise that this is the natural response of a person to so seek after the truth of God. Your Bible reading is not your ticket to heaven, everybody. It is bread. The blood of Jesus gets you into heaven, but the bread builds you up. And whatever you've got to do, you've got to find a way. And so I want to finish just by saying this. Dear, dear apprentices, don't just settle for heaven when you die. Step into your ministry. Don't just be content to watch. I had a real bad ministry experience this last week, by the way. I'll tell you good stories. I'll tell you one bad one. Turned up at New World Stoke. That's how, how bad it was. The parking is shocking. It's appalling. And there was a young guy and I parked the car and he looks over and he says, hey, have you got a dollar? And I just go, no, because I didn't have a dollar coin. And then that little voice. I'm technically on my lunch break at this point. And that voice said, whatever he wants, go in and buy it for him. I said, what are you after? He said, I'm after a monster energy drink. I'm like, boy, this does not line up with my values, but okay. <laughs> said, sure. I go, come with me. Let's go. So walking through the supermarket and I said, I just, what's your story? Are, are you meant to be at school? He looked young. He goes, oh, I've finished school. He's 15. I go, okay, is anyone helping you? Is anyone like inputting? And um, anyway, so I go through the checkout and I swipe the drink, pay for it hand it to him, I go, here you go. And he goes to me, thank you so much. I thought, sweet. Well, now I've got permission, don't I? I said, hey, I need to tell you something. And it just came up out of here. I said, you need to make good decisions with your life. 
When you're bored, you make bad decisions. I mean, this is why Jesus gave us a purpose, guys. There are a lot of bored Christians, not bad Christians, bored, because the purpose wheels are not turning. And I said, he, he, I said, if you make good decisions, you're gonna have better options when you're older. But if you make bad decisions, you're gonna have less options. And I, I know this sounds like a little bit dramatic, but I, I felt like something spiritual happened because he looked at me with this look of absolute mockery and disdain. He's 15 years old. He looked at me like, you know, that kind of look like, how dare you? And so I just thought, go gently. I said, I go, have you been told this before? And he goes, yeah. Like real snotty. And I thought, give me back the monster drink, you know. <laughs> the parent in me, I didn't do that. But I just said, yeah, well, you know what? You've got a lot of potential. So you don't want to stuff it up. But I drove away thinking that was a complete waste of time. You know, Paul sometimes when he ministered, do you know what he got for thanks? A flogging, rocks thrown at him. I mean, I just got a bad look. You know, I got someone who said thank you and then probably regretted ever asking me for any money at all. But do you know what? You never know. That's not my job now. I just plant a seed. God's the one who makes it grow. So I finish again. I have three finishings normally. Dear, dear apprentices, come on, don't settle for just watching the professionals do it. Get a hold of your ministry. Get a hold of your calling. And now I'm going to do something that's going to make some of you feel uncomfortable and others of you not. I'm going to get everyone to stand to your feet. And I'm going to... We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.